Dodgers pulls up, three-pointer. Bang! Bang! It's good! Dodgers wins the game at the buzzer! For Tyler Durbin, is super reliable inside of 40. This is for 45, it's blocked! Lions scoop it up! Jackson, Jackson himself, look at him, turn back and forth. Oh! He broke his ankles! Now he's got an entourage! And he's got a touchdown! When 6-15 hits... Nothing is off the table. This is No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin, live on Com Radio. What's up, Danger? Like, what's up, Danger? Can't stop me now. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, into No Boundaries, episode two, early on in this 2021-2022 school year here in the Belisario Media Center. Of course, brand new to the College of Com. I'm Connor Griffin. Zach Donaldson across the table from me. Actually, I thought about it last week. That was the first time since 2019. Or no, I take that back. Since 2020. First time since spring of 2020, obviously pre-March, that we were in the same studio together doing the show. Last week. That's true. Why? That didn't even cross my mind. It has been... Great to be back, uh, and we have some fun stuff to talk about today in particular. These past two weeks, man, have been absolutely wild, and we're going to start off with one of the more wild stories I have seen in quite some time. John Gruden, of course. First of all, how are you doing today? I, I missed that part. How are you doing? <laughs> no, no no, biggie. I mean, these are this, – this story is – It's got to get right into it's it. It's pretty big, yeah. You feel like you got to get right into it because um, – it's it's yeah it's it's wild it's unprecedented. I I, I just want um, the audience to know exactly how you feel. I, no, like I wasn't I you know disparaging that. you or any way. Like I, I wasn't paying attention to how you were feeling in the moment. You're no. doing good though. I'm good. Yeah, and not not too bad. You know, could always be a little more well rested. I was out last night. I, we saw each other. We saw each yeah. other last night. Which yeah, uh, we'll we'll definitely get into. But um yeah, with this with this Gruden situation, this was going down pretty much when we were out. Um yeah, because it happened like that. It was Absolutely. very yeah, spur of the moment. So John Gruden resigned as the head coach of the Oakland Raiders. This, of course, comes after a very odd, uh, a very noisy three years in uh, Los Angeles or Vegas, pardon me, uh, in Vegas. Because you look at the overall timeline, obviously he first gets there and they trade away Cleo Mack. They trade away Amari Cooper. He's, you know, getting GMs fired and he brings in Mayock and then, sometimes it seemed to work, but then they bring in Antonio Brown, and then there's that whole debacle there, and then there are COVID issues, and mm-hmm. eventually they finally put it together, and now they start the season 3-0 and this year, but it all goes down the drain because these emails come out from John Gruden. Uh, he, Because I was confused. I was like, wait a second. Why are all these emails coming out from Gruden? Why are we seeing these? But he was a part of an NFL investigation uh, related to misconduct in the workplace from the Washington football team. Of course, that spanned more than a decade. And it was because 40 former, former female employees were alleging you know, sexual harassment and misconduct and overall just a toxic work culture within the Washington organization. And Gruden was linked with Dan Snyder. And overall, uh, with Bruce Allen in particular, the the Washington football team president, because they're longtime friends, and all of a sudden the Gruden email becomes public, and then more and more and more, 
and it gets to the point where you see homophobia, you see racism, you see horrible remarks uh, made by overall John Gruden, some sexist remarks as well. And yeah, now he's gone. He just got out of there right away. He resigned. I think once he saw that first one become public and there was this maybe a hint like, oh, yeah, more might be coming. He knew exactly he was going to have to dip out. Sure enough, those emails did come very quickly after. And, uh, yeah, he resigned. So he is no longer the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. Zach, crazy timeline overall. But after, uh, I guess, what, not even three full years? Or it might be three full years. Yeah, no, three full years going on to four. John Gruden is out despite signing a 10-year deal with the Raiders. Mm Mm-hmm back in 2018 so overall what are you thinking about John Gruden's exit from Las Vegas yeah I mean first thing Urban Meyer's got to be happy right oh my gosh I mean (laughs) two coaching scandals in the past two weeks he's getting the attention shifted off him a little bit this obviously um I think holds a lot more you know it's a greater magnitude than Urban Meyer's uh little scandal that he had going on but yeah this it, it literally happened at like the snap of Snap of the fingers. I I was reading. I remember reading like, oh, Gruden. It's like these emails have leaked. Oh, he could be gone. Five minutes later, he resigned, out of nowhere. And uh, yeah, like I mean, you pretty much uh, covered. You pretty much gave a, a good synopsis of it, of the events. Part of the, the investigation with the Washington football team. We know how much of a, a ugly debacle that is, mm-hmm. still is. Um, but yeah, I, I saw one of the most interesting things because you mentioned the the ten year contract. Like John Gruden has been a a prominent figure um, in the in the Raiders organization for for a long time. Uh, even when he wasn't, yeah, you know, wasn't the coach after he got let go after his brief stint. I don't know the exact time. I don't know the exact time frame, but. Keyshawn Johnson was saying something um, earlier today that I found interesting. A former Raider Keyshawn Johnson won a won a Super Bowl with John Gruden and the and the Raiders, um, and he said Gruden has always been a fraud to me, and I just think, you know, for for someone of of that, you know, caliber, Keyshawn Johnson to to say something like that to, about John Gruden really, you know, and then combine that with the fact of the the emails the the homophobic, misogynistic, racist emails. I mean, it, it it just goes to show you how much, like, people in power can can have you duped and how much, like, people in power, like these coaches, can just get away with saying things. And they, they speak differently uh, behind closed doors. Um, and it just shows you the instances just keep keep arising um, like this. I, I know that there was... We didn't get to see exactly what the email said, but there were some um, rumblings that he was talking about on Michael Sam, you know, the first um, openly gay player um, in the NFL. I guess now that title goes to to, to Carl Nassib. Yeah. Ironically, of the Oakland Raiders, or of, excuse me, of the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. So I mean, you have to wonder, just, I mean, what what what's going on there? I mean, you have. You're obviously in public support of guys like this, guys like like Nassib and, and Michael Sam, but then behind closed doors, you're just talking talking bad. And there's a couple instances I saw. Remember when it was kind of there was some buzz surrounding Marquette King 
in his yeah. release yeah. not too long ago. I thought he was one of the better punters in the league. Definitely least, one of the most electric. Yeah, that that for sure. Definitely, you know, you got his money's worth. You got your money's worth seeing him punt the football. Um, and it was kind of, you know, people were a little perplexed when he was released not too long ago. I think 2018, 2017, something. Um, and you got to wonder if there was some some stuff going on, some chatter behind closed doors that he was released for non-football-related uh, reasons. So I feel like I'm kind of just rambling, but I think it just it – really, it really opens it opens your eyes that, 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 that there's a lot going on that we don't know. Everything is not what it seems. And obviously there were uh, remarks made in the emails about kneeling during the national anthem. That too, yep. Which, of course, when those statements were made by Gruden, perhaps – they would have been seen as more of an acceptable opinion. But as we've progressed and as we've seen what the NBA has been doing and how the NFL has more so accepted the overall movement, it does not look good at all, what, nope. what he was saying. And I do have to say, though, like, yes, these are horrible comments. And absolutely, if Gruden did not resign, he deserved 100% to be fired because mm-hmm. you just can't. There's no way you can operate as a head football coach in the NFL when people know that you said such things. Absolutely no yeah, way. Especially nowadays. No especially chance. nowadays. That no that chance. just would not fly. Wouldn't fly in the locker room, wouldn't fly with the media, wouldn't fly with the fan base. Um, but at the same time, I would love to know if there are other owners who are saying stuff like this, perhaps, uh, you know, owners, or when I say other owners, other owners, other coaches, uh, just in general, everybody in the NFL who is in that authority type of figure for their respective organizations. I mean, there has to be more of this stuff being said over emails. Because, again, it is more of a personal um, one-on-one form type of communication. It's not like you're publicly addressing the country or you're publicly addressing the team. And it's more private. And I I think – yeah, perhaps Gruden got a little bit too comfortable, <laughs> a little bit too comfortable with what he was saying in private and definitely should have held all of that back and not even said it in the first place. Obviously, it's bad enough that he's thinking it, but then to put it in an email is even worse. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you know, it is still a private form of communication, and I feel like there are a lot of other coaches and owners who had to have said just as bad stuff or worse throughout the years and they're still in their position. So yeah. if Gruden is going to be held accountable through this investigation, I think you got to hold other people accountable. So they, I don't want to say I feel bad for Gruden in this regard, but you do think, like, come on. Yeah. you got to at least check into other people's emails. There's no investigation going on with other people, and that's why Gruden obviously got canned right here because he was linked within an ongoing investigation. But, totally. yeah, these these are private conversations and if you're gonna release these i think you gotta be able to look into the other ones like this has to be permeating throughout the entire nfl um i don't i don't want to go on and you know insinuate that for a fact this is going on throughout the entire nfl but you at least you know have a little bit of a hunch and i think it needs to be looked upon because this is definitely something that needs to be resolved and the league needs to be ridded of all this terrible misogyny racism all that stuff and I, I think this is just obviously the tip of the iceberg. I think there's much more that we can uncover. So. Absolutely. One can infer. Yeah. It's sure. just a crazy situation. And, yeah, I think this could definitely spur a lot of positive change. 
but in the moment, it's definitely sad to see. Definitely sad to see what's going down in Vegas yeah. and what could potentially be going down throughout the, the rest of the NFL. Yeah, it, w- it would be interesting. Just one last note. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I you have to assume with this the, the leak that his recipients, like who he was sending these to, I guess, you know, he didn't have any contact with um, present coaches, present owners, present GMs, yeah. or else, you know, I'd think they would get dragged down as well. Um, it's just an interesting, interesting thought point. Yeah. I don't know. I know he said with the 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 Redskins, uh, Bruce Allen of the, the Washington football team. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it was just him and Dan Snyder, I can – that's we 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 know what they're about over there in in Washington. Yeah. Um, so that doesn't surprise me. But yeah, just wondered, you know, the, uh, who he was sending these to. If there were, if there's more, like you said, there's more to be uncovered. Yeah, for sure, definitely a lot more to be unraveled in Vegas. I know this is going to be the the hot story for the next couple of days. We definitely just wanted to touch on it a little bit. But let's shift into some actual games. What went down on the field? I think we'll start with last night, and this is where we saw each other last night. Mm-hmm. Um, we saw each other watching this game out, and uh, we were both taking this crazy game in between the Ravens and the Colts. I believe the score of this game was 22-3 to at one point in favor of Indianapolis. Yeah, Ravens look down down and out. Down. Um, you, even you look at the, the box score, leading rusher, aside from Lamar Jackson, for Baltimore was Latavius Murray. He had 17 yards. Six carries, 17 yards. In total, again, outside of Lamar Jackson, the Ravens had 24 yards on the ground. And uh, it was just not an overall great performance for the offense. The offense was stifling. looked like Indianapolis was in the driver's seat, and they had a win squared away. And then, of course, there's this huge comeback from the Ravens, and they wind up winning in overtime 31-25. Lamar Jackson finishes 37 of 43, 442 yards, 10.3 10.3 yards per completion, four touchdowns, and uh, did he also run one in? No, he didn't. But uh, just insane overall when it came to getting them back into the game, and then once they did get within striking distance, did not hesitate to put them uh, into a position to score and then take it into overtime, and then when they got into overtime, they got the ball, no problem. Mm-hmm. You knew he was scoring in that drive. So overall, just masterful performance from Lamar Jackson. What were your overall takeaways on that game, and specifically Lamar Jackson? Yeah, <laughs> Lamar Jackson. <laughs> I mean, what a showing, what an outing from the former MVP, who still, I think, has a lot of doubters out there. Um, but just what a statement performance on primetime television to essentially carry the Ra- carry the Ravens to 4-1. To and one. Um Lamar Jackson, I I just love this stat. I think it's mind-boggling, his start to the season. I think we need to talk about it more because you mentioned outside of him on the ground, the Ravens had 17, uh, or Latavius Murray was uh, the leading rusher with 17 yards. Lamar Jackson has 1,860 yards, total yards in 2021. That's more than 18 overall teams, Yeah, teams as a whole. I mean, that is just insane. He What he's doing right now, He's on another level, not only with his legs. We already know that you really cannot stop Lamar Jackson on the ground at this point in his career. But he's doing it in the air, too, and he's making the right decisions, and he's delivering some tough balls. Shout out Mark Andrews, who 
was a, a, a vital cog in that comeback as well. Yeah. Uh, he had, had two touchdowns and two two-point conversions. So Lamar Jackson knows who to look for in the red zone and when the game is on the line. I mean, he's scoring 22 straight points to, to, to take down the Colts. Now, the Colts are certainly not a, a powerhouse by any means. Um, and, yeah, I guess, you know what, another takeaway I, I did have from last night I am I'm, I'm starting to doubt that Carson Wentz is a is a winning quarterback. Yeah, in so the league. That that's another question I wanted to bring up about this. First of all, I just wanted to point out Lamar Jackson got me 55.2 points in fantasy last Ooh. night. Uh I I do have a league where we get additional incentives if a player gets over, you know, 100 yards, boom, they get an extra couple points. So it is a little bit uh I I guess over-exaggerated, but 55.2. I keep hitting this microphone with my glasses. I usually never <laughs> wear glasses into the studio. I'm wearing glasses right now, and as I lean in to speak, I hit it with my, I don't know, I'm getting off topic. But I definitely wanted to talk about that because is this more of a testament to Lamar's greatness? Obviously, he had a phenomenal game, but is it also, could you look at it in the sense that this is just not a very good Colts team, and when it came to a pressure scenario where they needed to lock down defensively and then on top of that score offensively, they just couldn't do it because they're not mm-hmm. a good team. Yeah. I, I think that definitely needs to be factored in as well. That's why I'm not putting like so much of an emphasis on the Lamar Jackson performance. It was great and obviously, obviously like it's one of the top stories today, but I think if this is against a, a better team, you're not seeing that type of performance. It seemed too easy for Lamar Jackson, and yeah. I, I don't think it would have been that easy against others. Yeah, no, I, I agree. This Colts team, they have, they have some they have some players, but so far they don't look like a winning a winning football team this year. It doesn't look like they're going to be in the conversation, which is good for the Eagles. But, I mean, hey, Wentz did put up 402 passing yards, 128.5 passer rating, and almost 12 yards per attempt, which are all career high, so it's not like he had a bad game. But he just – and two touchdowns as well. Um, but those are all the career highs. But it's just – I'm starting to think he's they, – they, they couldn't get it done. Like you said, they didn't get it. They had a, a huge lead, and, you know, good teams win those games. And, you know, good quarterbacks, winning quarterbacks, I should say, you know, have to put their – Put their team in a in a position to 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 close that out. Now the defense didn't do its its role either, but you know we're just starting to I'm starting to see a little bit more about of a little bit more insight into 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 Carson Wentz when he's not an eagle, you know. And there's not that I don't want to say bias, but I guess there is a little bias, you know, blocking the lenses to reality. I think so. Colts fall to one and four on the season. Baltimore improves improves to four and one. And uh, we'll shift over to another crazy game this weekend and another 4-1 and team in the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers beat the Browns 47-42. to It's the first time that a team in NFL history lost a regular season or playoff game when scoring 40-plus points with 500 yards and no turnovers. The Browns had 42 points over 500 yards, no turnovers, they still lost the game. And I think it's a testament to Justin Herbert yeah, and how amazing he has been this season. Uh, also, Austin Eckler, great game from him. Mike Williams, best season of his career. He's really stepped Finally. it up, and he's no longer 
just the the kind of passive like oh yeah he's there like you know what I mean I've always viewed him as just like yeah okay he's, he's a wide receiver but I've yeah, never number viewed two him next as a, to Keenan Allen yeah yeah, yeah. I, and I, I've never viewed him as a game changer or anything in that respect but he's really come alive so far and I think it's also because of how well Justin Herbert has been playing I mean Justin Herbert 26 to 43 398 yards four touchdowns no picks um Baker didn't have necessarily that bad of a game but I think he just got outshined by Herbert yeah yeah I'll echo that I think I mean just what the the things that Justin Herbert's doing in his second year is it's incredible I mean he's he's playing at a at an MVP level I know last week I said my favorite was Kyler Murray I think Justin Herbert is right there he's got the Chargers yeah off to a four and one start and they're closing out these close games that's the biggest thing Los Angeles has not been able to do that in 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 recent memory because they yeah. were in close games, a ton of them last year. Yep, and they yep. always were on the losing end. But now you're seeing that they're pulling it out. It's a good point. Yeah, he's he's, he's taking a step forward. And every time I watch this guy, this is the I did watch the the Chargers, Browns game. I've watched Herbert now two weeks in a row, and dude just gets it done. He gets it done for his team, no matter what. You need him to make a play, he delivers. Whether it's it's deep, it's it's short, he he is. The, the the league is in good hands with 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 Justin Herbert, I I think. Well, so he is. Where's the stat? There it is. He is the most three hundred yard games by any quarterback in their first two years in the league. He now has eleven wow. with his three hundred ninety eight yard performance on Sunday. So he is absolutely slinging it. Five touchdowns. Yeah, that that that's pretty wild. Definitely have to give a ton of credit to him. Uh, overall, definitely have to, to give a lot of credit to that coaching staff, first-year coach. I mean, he's been doing yeah. a pretty solid job, and overall the weapons around him have really been supportive. And now you look at the uh, the AFC North with Cleveland. They're tied for second with the Bengals. The Browns' defense isn't a slouch either. They're no slouch. They've been yeah, um, it's definitely going to be interesting with them. I mean, obviously, yeah, the, the main story for me is the Chargers and how well they've been doing. And now they're actually they're in the driver's seat in the AFC West, even though they're the Raiders who had a really hot start, and Kansas City. I mean, Kansas City is now sitting yeah. at 2-3. Two and, three. Two and three. Uh, So overall, yeah, the Chargers are in the driver's seat. And then Cleveland, who obviously was a very good team last year and still has a lot of dudes. And as you said, their defense is not, you know, bad. No. They're now tied for second and um, – you know, that's a very tight division. So a lot, lot of interesting stuff going on. This was a shootout, like a Big 12 type of game, almost looking like the, the Red River showdown on Saturday. And uh, no, it was just absolutely. a very fun game to watch, very talented teams, you know, not necessarily Super Bowl favorites, I would say, but talent on both sides. And they, they showed out and just had a, a absolute slugfest going back and forth. How many lead changes were there in the fourth quarter? I, I think it was like... Ooh. Four lead changes yeah. in the final couple minutes or something like that. I can't remember. But definitely wild. Definitely wild. And I, I like that type of game because it was more of a college game. I just think the college game is so much more fun. I, I don't know about you. I just love college football more than NFL. And that would that reminded me of yeah. a college football game. I thought that was great. I don't know if you have any more thoughts on that. Any more thoughts Overall in the NFL, we'll talk about the Eagles. We'll go to a commercial break and then talk about the Eagles afterwards. But anything else you want to add? Sounds good. No, I was just I was just looking up. I don't know about the fourth quarter, but there were eight lead changes in the game. So crazy. Yeah, crazy. That's a lot either way. How can you not be romantic about football? 
Gotta love it. Especially when that's the product. True. Well, all right. That is our little NFL whip around. Again, we talked about Gruden. We talked about some of the bigger games of the weekend and last night, if you consider Monday not a part of the weekend, which I don't. I consider it kind of an extra day. But anyway, we'll talk about some more football after the break. We got the Eagles. We got some Ben Simmons. Good Lord, what's going on with that? And then, of course, Penn State football later on because we are Penn State students and we like Penn State football. So you're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Be sure to stick around. Calling all graduates. Congratulations. After all your hard work, your diploma deserves a nice home. Come into Lions Pride across from Old Main to pick up all your alumni needs. We have everything from diploma frames, alumni merchandise, and your college-specific apparel. As spring unfolds, we have new arrivals coming in for the remainder of April. So remember, you can shop online at lions-pride.com, where most orders over $50 ship for free. We are... Do you want to know about the world around you? Know how government decisions may impact you? Learn how you can respond? Tune in to Calm Radio on Thursdays from 7 to 7.30 and check out Current Events with Carmen for your daily dose of politics, sports, and pop culture. Take part in the discussion and analysis of what's new and exciting in our world. Meet the ducks, meet the ducks, step right up and greet the ducks, bring your kitties, bring your wife, listen live every Tuesday night, cause the ducks are really talking about ball, knocking them hot takes over the wall, east side, west side, everybody's tuning in. To meet the D-U-C-K-S of Com Radio from 845 to 945. Welcome back into No Boundaries with Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin right here on Com Radio. We're live, baby. We're live. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson right here on No Boundaries. Thank you so much for tuning in. We're going to talk about the Philadelphia Eagles. Very complicated situation this week. Uh, They start off the game. They're playing like dog crap. And then all of a sudden, they end up winning the game. I'll be honest with you. I'll be honest. I I speak the truth here, and I'm not going to lie. I was exhausted Sunday. I start watching that game. Eagles are down 15-6 to six at halftime. I think that I think was so. the score. Yeah, uh, Brutal to watch. Awful. Horrible. I said, I am not valuing this team <laughs> over my sleep. I got maybe seven hours of sleep combined uh, past, like, two nights. And I was like, I'm going to bed. I- I'm taking a nap. I'm not watching this team anymore. I wake up from my nap, and I see a bunch of texts from my friends saying, oh, my God. The Panthers are about to let us win this game. So I turn on the TV, and sure enough, the Eagles won the game. So I would like to say that me taking a nap and quitting on the team is actually what inspired the team to come back and stay in that game and win. Hey, I mean, I, I stopped watching as well. So Yeah, just ridiculous. <laughs> man. Maybe, team, like, maybe I inspired them a little bit too. I cannot like celebrate this win. No. I can't. And granted, Carolina – 
has been solid this year, and Sam Darnold has been solid this year, and I think they're going to be a really good team this season. That is the only reason why I would say, okay, yeah, that's that's a pretty solid win. I don't think it's a good win. There's still so much that is wrong with this team, and Sirianni is a question mark, and Jalen Hurts is not necessarily doing so well. I think he had something like five yards per completion. Like the first half was first half atrocious. was brutal. He was like twenty, he's like fifteen for twenty, and had like thirty yards or something. And yeah, I mean he's. How many interceptions? One I mean, interception. He's, he's okay. throwing a screen every other play. So yeah, like he just wasn't that great. And I, I don't know. It, there were just a lot of question marks yeah. that still persisted after this game, and I just have no confidence in this team, even though it was a win. I, I can't celebrate it. What are you thinking? I mean, it seems like we're kind of on the same page, but I don't know. Yeah, no, you're you're not you're not wrong. Uh, Hertz was up and down. I think is the best way to put it. Um, did some good. Obviously, willing the team back with his legs was I was thoroughly impressed with that punching in the 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 goal the the touchdown at the goal line excuse me and then the I thought he made a really good play on the two point conversion extending the play finding Devonte in the back of the end zone for that uh, ultimately go ahead score but then you talk about the the Ertz um, he missed Ertz wide open touchdown um, the Dante Jackson interception yeah just there was a lot of there was there was the good, the bad, and the ugly uh, with Jalen Hurts and with Sirianni too. The first half, not even talk about it, just atrocious. I don't know what he's doing, but the thing is, he's a new, he's a rookie head coach, and I think he's learning because he did not hesitate to to call QB sneak when when the Eagles were on the one and they needed their their leader to to make a play, and 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 Hurts did it so. You know, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt um, in that sense. But, yeah, definitely still a lot of question marks. But, you know, that's what, it's what I expected this year uh, from this team. And, you know, there's there's a lot of – yeah, the, <laughs> there's a lot of question marks, but there's a lot of stuff to, to be optimistic about as well, I think. How so? I'm not seeing a whole lot of it. Yeah, well, I mean, I, I just kind of I, – I think – I think the team. I think it's we're taking steps. Mm. I mean, hey, a win's a win. It wasn't. It was not See, pretty. Thing, my my fear is that they think that all oh, like we're solid now. Like let's like. Well, no, I would not. hope not. I would hope that's not their mentality. But I just think the fact that they gutted it out, and and were able to, you know, overcome the adversity, kind of twist things around and and, and make adjustments and and figure out a way to get it done. And I, I think that's, you know, I'm, I'm not saying, oh, I still think this team is in the exact same position that it wasn't. Instead of five games now, they'll win six. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I'm just looking at uh, so, some of the good. I did like the I did like the, the bomb to Quez yeah. a lot. I think we need to play him more. I think we need to play him over Rager, if I'm being Rager honest. Rager is a problem. Yeah. If we want to talk about, yeah, that I'm concerned about. Well, I mean, just this stat right here I think is enough. Uh, Justin Jefferson had eight catches for 124 yards Sunday. Jalen Rager has 14 catches for 116 yards this season. (sighs) And, I mean, there was a one play I saw. He was trying to block on the edge uh, or on the outside, and he just got annihilated, and the person who was trying to block, cornerback, 
got right to it because it was another screen. Uh, let's see. Who who was trying to – who caught this pass? He was trying to block for somebody. I can't make out who Wait, it was. I might remember that. I think I saw that, and I was like, dude, what are you doing? Was it Ortega Whitesides? I don't know. Um, it, it was definitely an interesting play. I was like, oh, well, he just gave no effort whatsoever on that block. And, uh, yeah, overall, got to question his effort, got to question his decision-making. I have to question how viable of, a, of an option he is. I don't think yeah, he's I'm, that great of an option. I'm losing faith. Yeah. Um, I also I, I think it's funny how many times penalties have brought touchdowns back. Oh, my gosh, back. yes. That, I mean, this team is just undisciplined. They're going to penalize Serrani the right. Has, yeah, Serrani has to do something about that. That There's no excuse for that. Unacceptable. Penalized. They're making dumb mistakes. I love Miles Sanders, but running out of bounds twice when you're trying to kill clock, and they pulled him <laughs> for Kenneth Gainwell. I, I think, yeah, there, there are decision-making problems. There's overall just this cluelessness sometimes that you see evident in play calling and decision-making, and I, I don't like it, and I, I think they're going to get whacked Thursday. Oh, my gosh. Against yeah, the Buccaneers. Especially Whacked. after what Brady just did. That was the first time he put up 400 yards and five touchdowns. That's surprising. Yeah. That's the first time he's done that. He is playing very good football. Oh, Tampa yeah. Bay is a very good football team. I do not see the Eagles coming away with a win there. No, I, I don't either. I mean, the defense, hey, I did think the defense played a good game. Darius Slay MVP of that game yeah, on Sunday. Not I, even close. Yeah, for sure. Um, I think what's, I think the, the pressure was great, too. Finally got, we had some big sacks on third down. Fletch finally got one. Javon Hargrave, he's playing at an exceptionally high level right now. See if he can if he can keep it up. But yeah, Slay definitely the MVP. Without him, that's we don't the Eagles don't win that game. Yeah. Locked down DJ Moore and two huge huge picks. So the Eagles, they win twenty one eighteen. They're now what two and three on the season. Two and three. Two and three. I thought they were going to be zero and five or one and four. So take it. Yeah, I guess we'll take it. But at the same time, yeah, I don't want this team getting cocky. Like, we won a game. Let's yeah. go. Uh, I know that. Um, but can't get full of ourselves here. We'll shift over to another dysfunctional Philadelphia situation, the Sixers and Ben Simmons. It was reported yesterday in the morning that Ben Simmons, Clutch Sports, they were working with the Sixers. They were now in open communication, seeing if maybe, maybe – there was a possibility that Ben Simmons could come back to the team, which makes sense. I think Clutch Sports, they were trying to figure out a way to get Ben in a, another position and another team, and they realized, oh, yeah, he's not marketable at all right now. Mm-hmm. Sixers are our only option. We need to now resolve this situation. I think they gave it some time and then realized this is not going anywhere. We need to get back to the Sixers. Mm-hmm. So there was that report. And Woj says, oh, yeah, earlier, uh, as early as this week, we could see Ben Simmons in Philadelphia. Then, of course, as all this stuff is going on with Monday Night Football and John Gruden, and uh, there was something else going on yesterday. I can't remember. Um, But there was a bunch of stuff that was in the news. All of a sudden, we see Ben Simmons get to Philadelphia while the Sixers are playing their preseason game, as is, you know, co-stars, Joel Embiid, you know, is one of them. He's out there playing that game. Ben Simmons arrives in Philadelphia, and he gets a COVID test. And he is now seemingly going to return to the Sixers. So (laughs) what were you uh, 
what were your thoughts when you saw all this stuff going down last night? Because it was, again, another situation just completely out of the blue. Yeah, I think, I mean, that's got to objectively be the funniest end to this to this saga. I mean, with the season really 10 days away, you, you have to think this is the end. Ben's going to be on the team again. We're going to have to. We're gonna have to make it work, but I think objectively, that's just the f- most hilarious end to this saga is just Ben showing up unannounced outside the stadium. Like, well, hey, what's up, guys? I'm here. Well, so I mean, I think was it Elton Brand who got a text? Yeah, like, yeah. yeah, Ben is here. What? Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I saw. I was like, that is golden. Like, just unannounced. Ugh, just great content right there. I mean, in terms of the Sixers now, how they go forward with this i mean as much as i hate to admit it it's the it's the best option at this yeah. point i mean you're not going to get anything from him just like you said he's not marketable he's not tradable at the, at this point and you're not going to get ultimately what he's worth being a three-time all-star should have been defensive player of the year 23 years old you're not going to get what he's worth and now it's up to it's up to him it's up to the team to somehow, some way, limit this being a distraction. Yep. I, I, I really don't have a good feeling about it. I, I don't know how it's going to shake out. I mean, I, yeah, I, I really don't. <laughs> I really don't know how it's going to shake out. Well, that's the thing. If he was at least on good terms with the, his teammates, yes, then okay. it would be a lot more yes. reasonable. But he's not. Not because I I think if he J- were to have open communication with Joel Embiid and also yeah. if he didn't throw Joel Embiid under the bus or if Clutch Sports didn't throw Joel Embiid under the bus He's, saying that they don't work well together. Yeah, Joe, Joe said he hasn't talked to him since the end of the season. Exactly, like it's concerning. That's the thing. If you still had open communication with your teammates, but you said to them, "Listen, guys, I I'm not happy here. I, I don't see a scenario where." I can come back to this situation. I'm going to try and look elsewhere so I could be happier. I think if you were to come back now, then they would be much more receptive. More respectable. But you ghosted them. They reached out to you wanting to fly to L.A. so they could meet with you. You said no. Now you just come crawling back to them. And, yeah, if I was in that locker room, I'd be like, you know, (laughs) screw you. What do you you, (laughs) – What do you want from us now? Because apparently you didn't want anything from us the past, you know, couple months. So he wants his money. That's what he. Yeah, wants. he wants his money. That's for sure. He wants his money, and he realizes that if he doesn't play anywhere this season, then he's not going to be able to improve his stock at all. Yeah. You know, because as of right now, there's no market for him. Uh, uh, nobody wants him. And how is that going to change if he doesn't play basketball this year? And he continues to be yeah, more of a diva and more of a softy. It's just not going to work out. So he needs to play some form of basketball. And I do fear that he is going to come into this team. He will get playing time. And he's not going to put in the same effort that normally he would. Which, um, yeah, we're back square one. Which, yeah, <laughs> and that, that, that's the thing. If Ben Simmons is playing with the mentality to win games, to go all out on both ends of the floor, to not fear shooting the basketball, which now, of course, yeah, it's not the postseason and you don't have that high of stakes. But after what happened in the playoffs, that's still got to be on his mind, shooting 
free throws. You know, yeah. every single time he goes to the line, he's going to be thinking about what happened against Atlanta, and you know, he's going to be thinking about you know dunking the ball now because you know it's that's all going to be on his mind. So I can't say he's going to be the same Ben Simmons that he was in the regular season last year. But if he were to get back to that point, this team is significantly better with him on the floor. Yeah. Ben and Joel do work. If Ben doesn't want to believe it, okay, you know, but they do work from an outsider's perspective, from somebody watching the games, from somebody seeing that they got the number one seed in the East, they work. They work. Doc Rivers has found yeah. a way to, to suit both of their playing styles and incorporate them into an offense that it was really gelling last year, uh, again, when Ben Simmons was playing aggressive and when he wasn't so in his head. So I think this team is much better with Ben Simmons as opposed to you know trading him for nothing. Or for having him sit on the bench and just, you know, not be there and just be wasting $33 million. So this team is much better with him there. I hope that we can figure out a way to salvage this relationship. And I hope the fans are at least receptive if Ben, because I think Ben does need to come out and address it. And, you know, I think he will be pestered by the media once he is speaking to the media. And I think he needs to really make up for a huge lack of trust. And I think he needs to come out and say stuff that will win people back. I'm not saying that the fans should just give in automatically and accept him, but at least be re- receptive if he is a little bit um, sorrowful and is, you know, overall feeling guilty for what he did this past summer. But if he's yeah. not guilty and he's not showing effort and he's continuing to be a diva, then yeah, screw him. I don't know. Any yeah. other thoughts before we go to commercial break? Because yeah, they we'll probably have to roll in a little bit. I got you. Yeah, it's just. I mean, you you pretty much covered all of it there's really only so many ways this can go i mean i just it's really hard to to envision how this goes well for anybody involved i hope i really hope i'm wrong but so the so the the i guess what do you want to call it the pre-introductory pre-return intro meeting whatever when the players have to like, you know, confront Ben or, you know, for the first time. It's like, it's like okay, guys, so Ben's here. Like, yeah. let's all make him feel welcome and a part of the team. Like, like you know, make him feel warm and at home. And Like, it's like, why? <laughs> it's like, wh- yeah. what did he do, you know, to, to deserve that, to warrant that? Like you said, he has to earn a lot of people's trust back, not only the, the fans, the but but more importantly, his, his teammates. And it's just, I, I, I really hope... I really hope something has changed, but I, I hope he can salvage just something with something with his tenure with, with the Sixers. I just hope something good comes out of it. I said it at the end of last year. Uh, he will still be our problem. Yeah, and I'm, he three months later, four months later, he is. Like, why is it going to get better? Especially after this whole debacle, I can't imagine how things get better. Like, is he's not going to just come out and. I mean, what if he does? Imagine he just comes out and just like starts, starts shooting. It just starts firing away. It would be one of the greatest comeback stories of all time. <laughs> Do you really think? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, <laughs> no. Hey, 2021-2022 NBA champions is what my pinned tweet on Twitter says, so that better come true. If he's the reason why we don't get it, I will be furious. Anywho, we've got to go to a commercial break. We'll talk some Penn State football after this. That was another crazy game Saturday. Uh, Overall, very crazy day in college football. We'll talk about some of it right here on No Boundaries. Be sure to stick with us. 
Hey, Cade. Hey, Emily. Did you know that Mr. Rogers was a pastor before his television show? No, I didn't. Well, did you also know that Ted Bundy escaped prison two different times? Wait a minute. This is a lot coming at me right now. How do you know all this? I listen to our talk show, Documentary Deep Focus. Oh, the one every Tuesday at 445? That's it. Well, I can't wait to see you there. Tune in on Com Radio to hear what Emily and I find out this week on Documentary Deep Focus. I just don't know what music I should be listening to. Well, you have to listen to... What movies have come out this week? I was trying to say you should... I just don't know what to think about entertainment. Nittany Record Club. What? The Nittany Record Club is every Thursday starting at 7.45 p.m. All things entertainment? All things entertainment. See you there. Can the Tampa Bay Lightning win three straight Stanley Cups? Can the Philadelphia Flyers bounce back after last season? Or how will the Seattle Kraken do in its inaugural campaign? These are questions that can only be answered on the Sin Bin with Jacob Cheris and Jordan Hessian. Tuesdays from 7.30 to 8.30 right here on Com Radio. Media Center. It's Zach Donaldson and Connor Griffin talking all sports, anytime, any place, no boundaries. Right here on Com Radio. And we're back. Connor Griffin, Zach Donaldson. Our last segment before we sign off for today's episode: Penn State football. They traveled to Kinnick Stadium on Saturday, and they lost twenty-three to twenty. They were up seventeen to three. To start the game off, Sean Clifford, of course, was in the game. Pretty dominant performance from Clifford. Uh, he had the one terrible interception to start the game off when we were back to our own end zone and when Penn State was back to their own end zone. Uh, and then another interception where he was trying to go deep. The ball hawks of Iowa yeah, picked nice it off. Uh, both preventable turnovers, but didn't come back to bite Penn State a whole lot. And credit to Sean Clifford. He did not let those two interceptions really get in his head. He was still being aggressive. Third downs, he was unbelievable. Things started five for five or six of six on third downs, and it was mainly coming from the fact that he was able to read the pocket and figure out how much pressure was coming on and escape and move his legs to, to get the first down. He actually picked up a, a touchdown on the, on the ground. So mm-hmm. overall, between throwing, between moving the ball with his feet, he was on another level. Uh, Mike Yurcich, I also thought was playing, or pardon me, calling a phenomenal game. And then, late second quarter, Sean Clifford, of course, uh, gets whacked, taken down to the ground by an Iowa defender, falls awkwardly. It was unclear as to what exactly he injured. seemed like, at first, the way he was walking off to the sidelines, that it was his left arm that was bothering him, but then you thought maybe it was his ribs. We don't know. We still don't know. And, uh, yeah, Taquan Roberson comes in the game, and everything completely changes, dynamic completely shifts. He did not have command over the offense. There were problems with snapping the football. I think there were seven or eight false starts for Penn State, which has been a team that has not been a penalized team, a heavy penalized team this season. They've been very disciplined. But all of a sudden, Taquan comes in, Sean Clifford's out. That completely changes. A couple more turnovers. 
Uh, the field position totally goes in favor of Iowa, and they end up winning. They, they score a touchdown late in the fourth quarter to go up 23-20, and Penn State with Taekwon at the helm just couldn't come back, couldn't get a game-winning drive. So Penn State drops this game. They're now at 5-1, and one. Iowa number two, Penn State number seven now. Your thoughts overall on the weekend? There's a lot. Yeah. You, a lot of avenues you could go down, but what do you think in particular? Yeah, absolutely. A lot to unpack. You, you covered a lot of it right there. We'll start with, uh, I think, the the reason Penn State lost this game, and I think it was because Sean Clifford went out with an injury. I think Sean Clifford stays in the game. He doesn't get hurt. Penn State wins. I don't want to say comfortably, but I'd say handily. I'd say at least by a touchdown or two. Oh, no, more than that. Say more than that? More than so that. You said a 21 maybe? But the complimentary football that Penn State was playing in the first half between the offense clicking on all cylinders, aside from maybe establishing more of a run game, Clifford was yeah. having to pass a lot. But still, despite being a little bit more one-dimensional than they had hoped, they were moving the football like crazy. Yeah. And like I said, Yursich had great play calling all the way true. through. Yeah. And then because the offense was playing so well, the defense was really able to be in good situations, and they capitalized on that as well. They were playing hungry, and I thought overall it was great. So I think more than yeah. more than two touchdowns. There but anyway, go, go ahead. Mean, go bottom ahead. line, I think they would have won either way because, yeah, like you said, it allowed the defense to play a lot more loose, a lot more comfortable. Iowa's offense cannot move the ball, and I thought that going in. Goodson had a couple good runs, but – Ultimately, that D-line bottled him up for the entire game, and I, I was really just – it was really Clifford's absence that I think the team could not overcome. And, I mean, Taekwon was thrown to the wolves. I mean, just yeah. in one of the most hostile environments in, in, in college football and one of the best defenses in, in college football. He, I mean, if he would have came out with that uh, and, and got Penn State the victory, that would have been – that would have been pretty, pretty heroic, but unfortunately, he was not able to do that. And yeah, the offense just completely sputtered yeah. when when Sean went out. Uh, even you're just trying to get Jahan involved. He had Jahan had 17 targets. Yeah, and he just forced. I mean, I don't blame him. You got to force the ball. I mean, he can make a a play happen any any down and anytime he touches the ball. So he forced it to him. It, it didn't work. You had to you had to abort game plan and like you said, Yurchich was calling a fantastic game and it just totally threw a fork in things and the injuries, the injuries just piled up. Sean Clifford being the the biggest the biggest one. The bye week couldn't have come at a more perfect time for, for Penn State. That's for sure. But I think we see this team again in the Big Ten championship. And that's, that's it's gonna be a long, a long game for the, the Hawkeyes. That's the thing, because I mean, I'm totally on the side that 100% Penn State wins this game handily um, if Sean Clifford stays in it. And if you were to square off against Iowa again, this time on a neutral field with Clifford fully healthy, yeah, I, I don't see any scenario Iowa wins the game. I, I don't think they're the number two team in the country. No. Uh, I hate the fact that they stormed the field. Hate oh my the fact gosh. that they stormed the field. As the favorite. As, as as the favorite against the backup quarterback, <laughs> and they had, they had to be lucky to escape that game with a, a victory. Yeah, they and very they, they were very lucky. They were very very lucky. fortunate. Um, that one play on defense, the defense was locked down all game. Blew one coverage. Yeah, that was it. That's it. That's what it came down to. And I, I think you could see, going off of what you said, perfect time for the bye week. This was not a must win game for Penn State. Not either. necessarily. Yeah. 
Not a must-win game. Obviously, it would have been nice to see them go undefeated. Maybe they could have done it. They've got a lot of talent. But I, I, I think maybe that was a little bit too unrealistic. They were probably going to drop a game or two at some point. Mm-hmm. And now that they have dropped a game, there should be a sense of urgency in the program right now. Like, listen, if we want to do something special this year, we need to win every single week. We can't, you know, afford to slip up. We got to bring our A game every single game. Definitely. And I, I think you can regroup. <clears throat> excuse me, regroup now. Hopefully, the injury to Clifford, we figure out it's not that severe. Obviously, he posted the the Instagram post yesterday. Uh, cryptic, very Instagram cryptic. <laughs> uh, I think he is going to be back. I think maybe they hold him against Illinois, use that to get Taquan some reps because I, I think that they could beat Illinois with Taquan under the helm if you give Taquan some practice reps in particular to get him ready. And then you see Clifford back for Ohio State, and then that's when this team really goes into overdrive because this season was always going to come down to Ohio State. Essentially, yeah. If you lose to Iowa, okay, it stinks. But they're in the West. They're going to make it to the Big Ten Championship regardless. You need to beat Ohio State. And then you also need to beat Michigan and Michigan State. And that end of the season for everybody is going to be – so chaotic it's yeah. not even funny but i do think that ohio state is definitely uh going to be one of the front runners in the east you take care of that game and then you go on to to win out the rest of the way and i think you could see a very similar situation to clemson last year where they go on the road to notre dame earlier on in the season they lose in a close game because they don't have trevor lawrence and then come december when they're in the acc championship game they have lawrence back and they're playing Notre Dame again, this time on a neutral field, and they dominate them. I think you could see something very similar to that, assuming Penn State takes care of business in the latter half of the season. So hopefully, yeah, Clifford comes back fully healthy. Mustafer is also a, a big question yep. mark. Very thin at defensive tackle yeah, right now. He's been now. big this year. He's been he's huge. Been really so hopefully, yeah, overall, that, that gets resolved, and we can see this team in Indianapolis in December because I think the one thing that is positive about this game but also frustrating – this is a very good team. They were the better team Saturday at full health. And, uh, yeah, that's why it's frustrating because you wanted them to win the game. They deserve to win the game. But I think moving forward, it's a good sign. So, anything <clears throat> excuse me, I keep coughing in the middle of uh, when I'm talking on air. Anything else you want to add about this game on Saturday? Yeah. Um, I think I, I think I covered most of it. I think we, we, we hit on all the main points just – very disappointing result because yep. Penn State was, I thought, by far the better team. It's that one play on defense, and Sean Clifford stays in that game. That's a, it's a Penn State victory for the, for the tally. You can tally a Penn State victory, but you know, like I said, it's not a, it's it wasn't a necessarily a must win. Still have to beat Ohio State. That remains the goal, and yeah, I I, I have a feeling we'll see this team down the line. Yeah, destiny still in Penn State's hands. And um, I'm excited to see where the rest of the season goes. This is a very talented team. So I'll be at practice tomorrow. I'll be filming Ooh, for, really? for Center County Report. Yeah. Awesome. So I'll text you details if I see any. Yeah, a little inside scoop. But see I, see what Sean's. I doubt <laughs> they're going to have Sean Clifford practicing when the media is there. there there's no way. He's even going to be out there. Uh, probably not. Probably not. Probably yeah. not. They've always been 
hesitant to disclose injury specifics. Penn State always has yeah. been. So this does not surprise me. I think Franklin wants like a competitive advantage or something like that. We'll see. But if it if it was serious, I think we know. I, I think we'll be back. Yeah. But time will tell. Time will tell. I like that. We're gonna come back for a quick sign off, but you're listening to No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Stay tuned. Hello there. I am the President of the United States, telling you to tune in to Lunch Break, Mondays, 12 to 12.30, on Com Radio. There, hosts Chip DeFalco and Dugan Lloyd break down all the biggest stories in sports and go over the past weekend's NFL slate. It's my new favorite show, me, the President of the United States. Lunch Break, Mondays from 12 to 12.30, live on Com Radio. Hello out there. We're on the air. It's hockey night tonight. You heard that right. Hockey Night in State College is back on Com Radio's airwaves from 7 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights with Chris Hess, Danny Murray, and Nate Pullen. That's 7 to 8 p.m. on Wednesday nights right here on Com Radio. And we're back here on Com Radio No Boundaries, our quick sign-off segment. Zach, I, I believe you have some very important news to share. I have some huge news, not to toot my own horn, but there's an I am champion in the studio right now. Me? I don't believe it's you. <laughs> <laughs> in fact, I know for a fact it is me. Just won the we won the I am softball championship last night. Myself, my roommates, my friends. Pretty big pretty big accomplishment i think we went we went six and one we lost our first game 15 to one went undefeated the rest of the way made some tweaks made some adjustments you know really got a feel for for our squad and we we had a dirty squad we uh we took care of business and we got i'm now a proud owner of a one of the famed i am champion t-shirts it looks like they changed them this year like they updated them they might have Looks good. I saw it. I appreciate last night. it. Yeah, that's what we wore it out to. We went to celebrate at, at Champs. That's where we were there. It was one of my um, roommates' birthdays too. Shout out Noah. Happy belated birthday! If you're <laughs> listening, I don't think he is, but but yeah. So I feel uh, I'm, I'm feeling I'm feeling on cloud nine today. I feel I feel proud proud of myself and, and, and my accomplishments. I went two for two in the in the big championship game. Had some putouts in the outfield too. So. You, you always like proud. to contribute. You should be proud. Congratulations. Thank you. I I, I wish I could have been there to, to take it all in. Um, could yeah, we could have had some some fans, some support. Student section. We had a, we had a little we had a, we had some uh, some people show out. I like that. But uh, yeah, no, it was a, it was a good time. It's a blast. Well, um, I guess my thing is they put out a trailer for the new Home Alone reboot. I saw. That. Home yeah. Sweet Home yeah. Alone. Can we just stop? <laughs> I know. I was going to say, I don't know about that. Can one. we just stop? I don't know. Tampering with this. First of all, they already made a terrible Home Alone remake. Um, once, what's his name? Is it uh, Macaulay Culkin? Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. He obviously did the first one. Phenomenal. Yeah. Did Home Alone 2. Great as well. And then they make a Home Alone 3, I believe, with somebody totally random. And it was just not good at all. Um, just a complete juxtaposition to the first two. And then now they're making this home sweet home alone for Disney Plus. And I think it's like a British take on it. 
It is. Yeah. yeah, it's like all British people, which I love British people. I, I like you know hearing them talk. I, I love the British accent. I, I'm all for that. But why do we need to do another Home Alone movie? We don't. It's so disgusting. Like the first one is so timeless. You could show that to anybody, and if their concern is like, oh, well, the new kids who are you know just born a couple years ago, they need their Home Alone. No, they don't. No. Just use the old one. I've Terrible. watched that movie. That's probably near the top of my list of movies I've watched the most. Home Alone, the most I mean, times. It's got to be up there. One of the best Christmas movies of all time. Yeah. And the second one is up there too. Like, I just hate it. I, I hate how they're doing this, and I hope that uh, I hope that Macaulay Culkin. Um, is okay with this at least. Yeah, I, I saw somebody on Twitter said this is a huge swing and a miss if he's not the creepy old dude to come in at the end and save the day. But I don't know. If it's not Macaulay Culkin, that's a huge missed opportunity. I agree. I think that would be fantastic. They made Buzz the is is a cop. I don't know if you caught that in the trailer. I did but see that. Yeah, he's a he's a cop, um, which is kind of cool. But I totally I'm all, I'm totally on board with with your stance i don't think this it doesn't need to be made thank you that's all i need to hear i need some affirmation right there all right well zach that's going to do it for us what exactly are you thinking uh well well, first of all where can the people find you on social media can find me on the socials at zach donaldson underscore make sure to follow the show's account as well on twitter at n zero boundaries to catch the rerun of this show, it'll be posted on Spotify and kicked out on Twitter as well for your convenience. And you can find me at Real C Griff. It's been a pleasure, Zach. We'll see you next week at 6.15. Episode 2 is in the books. We'll be back for Episode 3. This has been No Boundaries right here on Com Radio. Peace.